welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Guys, it's Pastor Jenny. Uh, You're listening to the Hope City podcast. Uh, We're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, If you guys were following on social media, uh, you would see that uh, the Sunday message uh, was not recorded, that there was a technical error, there was a glitch, glitches happen, and that is okay. We just roll with it and we go with it. But uh, because we are doing a biblical series in the book of Romans called Foundations, uh, we really felt it incumbent upon us to re-record this message as we are navigating through the book of Romans together and setting the foundation um, for the book of Romans and what God wants to speak to our church in this season. So uh, you might be hearing this message for the first time, or perhaps you were in church on Sunday and you wanted to jump on again and hear it a second time. Uh, Second time's good and uh, first time's good too. So I'm just going to pray before we open up the word and get started here. But God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that we're two or three are gathered in your name, that you always show up, Lord, even in holy ground moments like this on a podcast, sitting in a little studio, Uh, preaching and reading the word of God together. God, I thank you that you're giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and even softer hearts to obey you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you that you have called every person that's listening to this podcast today into the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord. May they be found in your grace and peace, Lord. And when their heart is feeling overwhelmed this season, I pray that you're leading them to the rock, as your word says, that's higher than who you are, Lord. We bless you. We give you glory today, Lord. Open up our eyes to see wondrous things in your law today. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start with a story. And I read this story to our church on Sunday. And if you're on Sunday, you've already heard this story. Um, But about 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. Many of you would know or be familiar with the Welsh revival. As a result of this, many missionaries came to Northeast India to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The region known as Assam was compromised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. Into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist Mission spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. This man's faith proved contagious as many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you guys to remember that, okay? Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man said, I've decided to follow Jesus. Enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asks, Will you now deny your faith? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. But the man replied, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. The chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. In a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man said the final memorable lines, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. 
he was shot dead like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a man, a capital M, man, who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind the man's faith. And I, too, want to taste that faith. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I, too, belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Is that a, not an awesome and phenomenal story? And it's not a it's not a fictional story. This actually happened. And as you know, that's where this song that, you know, that song that we all know really well, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, uh, where it also says, though none go with me, still I will follow the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. I want to make a few, you know, notes here. There's power, church. There is power, young person. There is power, older person in your testimony. There's power in your story. There is power when we stand for Jesus Christ, just like this story that we just read about. These are the days of salvation. These are the days of his kingdom come. Heaven is close and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And are we, are we not so aware of it? We could get so distracted with so much that is going on this season, but we must know and be aware just as we see the fields are white, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, you know, I pray in Jesus name that we don't get distracted with the frustrations or the complaining or all the emotions that people are just, you know, getting, you know, um, distracted with. Um, but we would be kingdom focused this season with our eyes lifted up to Jesus. And may we be a people that are known for what we are for and who we are for Jesus Christ and not for what we are against. This is a season uh, not for caution and silence, church. This is not a season for caution and silence. It's a time, church, to be bold, to be strong, and to be courageous in declaring what God has said and what he has done. Now, our text today is we're picking up back from where Pastor Jake left off a couple of Sundays ago is Romans 1, 16 to 17. And this really is the crux of the gospel here. Okay, so Paul was, you know, and if you've been reading along, and maybe you haven't been, but I would encourage you to listen to the last podcast uh, with Jake and read this, you know, the scriptures um, where he left off up until Romans 15 to be able to fully pick up here. But everything that Paul had said up until verse 16 was leading up to this point. And, you know, just remember that he was saying this with, with a lot of passion and a lot of boldness, but he was saying, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So a little bit of backdrop on this, if you're not aware of it, but this book was written about 20 years after Paul's conversion in 33 AD, you know, with Ananias prayed from the scales fell off his eyes. You know, Paul was very, another thing to know is that Paul was very passionate about ministering in Rome. He often spoke about longing to go to Rome. Um, Paul would also uh, later be martyred in Rome in 64 AD. And uh, uh, we're going to delve into this a little bit deeper. But I had a paraphrase 
you know, and uh, I realized that it could be a little bit of like a, a life mission statement. I don't know if any of you have a life mission statement, but I'm thinking about adopting this as my own. But I just wanted to write my own paraphrase of Romans 16 to 17. But I said, how can I be silent about who God is and what he's done in my life? Because I know um, all that he is and what he's done for me. How could I not give this precious gift away, Jesus Christ, to the world around me, knowing that, that there is resurrecting, miraculous, and life-giving power filled with love, hope, healing, and victory through Jesus Christ? Because I believe Jesus is who he says he is, not because of anything that I have done, but I could stand confidently today knowing that I, Jenny McGrew, am righteous, I'm redeemed, and loved, and I'm going to spend every breath of my life living by faith and in total surrender to the one who gave his life for me. Amen. So we're going to delve into the first part of First Corinthians, or pardon me, uh, Romans 1 verse 16, where Paul is saying passionately, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple of points I want to make here is, um, Church, you have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. If there is breath in your lungs today, which there is if you're listening to my voice, then know that you have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. If God has called you to this hour, then you've been graced for this hour. Number two, people need the good news and they need to know what we are for and not for what we are against. So when Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, gospel actually means good news. He's saying, I am not ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed to speak of the good news of Jesus Christ because of everything that he has done uh, for me. And number three, I want to say is God's good news in you will be God's good news through you. God's good news in you will be God's good news through you. So to the Greeks, uh, Paul might not have sounded very profound or brilliant, you know, with all their philosophical and arrogant ways to the Jews. He might have looked untoward as they were still waiting and looking for the for the Messiah, but I find it quite incredible and quite amazing. But yet Paul was still speaking from a place of confidence, not shame. He was not ashamed. He was not ashamed not to look unprofound. He was not ashamed not to look brilliant. He was not ashamed uh, to, to speak this gospel message of this man, as people would have said, that just like hung on a tree that brought resurrection life. Uh -uh. He was not ashamed. He was speaking from this place of confidence. He was speaking from this place of thanksgiving giving and joy because he knew what God did for him. He knew what God did for him the day that his scales fell off his eyes. He knew what God did for him when, when, when Jesus Christ forgave him for persecuting the Christians back in the book of Acts. How could he not preach this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ when he was aware and knew full well what Jesus did for him? And out of that love for God, out of that love for people, he unashamed, unashamedly preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we know that scripture about how the message of the gospel was foolishness to the perishing. But for us who is being saved, it's the power of God. You know, church, when the joy is set before us, I believe it breaks any and every power of shame that would try to get us off track and off mission. Paul was focused on Jesus Christ, what Jesus did for him and his love for him. Paul spoke from this place of the love of the Father. 
and he loved the people of Rome. If you study his writings, you could really just see his love for the people of Rome. And it just comes back to, you know, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love the Lord of you know, our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and our neighbor as, as ourself, you know, goes back to, you know, the simplicity of loving God and loving people. He longed to see the people of Rome to give away this resurrection power that he had experienced and he was still experiencing church. When you have a gift or if you had medicine and, and you knew that your loved one was really sick, you would give it to them, wouldn't you? You would give it to them. You know, and I believe that that's the place that we're supposed to live from every single day is that, you know, we have solutions, not, not arrogantly have solutions, but we have answers. You know, we have this hope that people are longing for. We have given this joy from the Holy Spirit, you know, that people are just longing for strength. How could we not give it away? How could we be silent in a season when people are so looking for the answers, for the message, for the person of Jesus Christ? You know, the, when the word says that, that God set eternity into the heart of every man and woman, God has set eternity into the heart of the world around us. Um, so this other point I want to make is that all that we are, all that we are, this place from we live at should be pointing people to Jesus is all that we are. Maybe we need to challenge ourselves with that question today is all that I am is the way that I live, not just the things that I say, is it pointing people to look at Jesus? And, uh, you know, the next point, you know, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but shame loses its place. Shame loses its place and miracle working power is loosed in the place of surrender. So, you know, when Paul was saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that shame loses its place in the place of surrender. Shame loses its place in the shame of, in the place of surrender. And I'm going to leave that one there. And also miracle working power is loosed in the place of surrender. So Paul said in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God into salvation for all who believe. So miracle working power is loosed in the place of our everyday surrender to Jesus Christ, you know, focus fixed on Jesus Christ. So the power of God into salvation, that word power is from the place uh, or from the word dunamis, which means miracle working power. The focus here wasn't on Paul. He was, he, he was um, getting their focus on God and what God has do had done so that they too could believe and would believe on the name of Jesus Christ and be able to experience, experience this resurrection, miracle working power. It wasn't about Paul. Paul didn't make any, any of this about him. His focus, he, his focus was on Jesus Christ. His focus was on God. And he too wanted to get their focus on God so that they too could believe on the name of Jesus Christ and experience this miracle working power that he had experienced in his life. You know, and something that we need to know about God is God doesn't just show forth his power to show forth his power, that God is always wanting to lead his people to a place of salvation. You know, when we see it's the power of God unto salvation, it doesn't just say and to the power of God, but it says the power of God unto salvation, that God is always going to be leading people to come to a place of salvation. You know, you can look back at, you know, stories in the Bible, uh, whether it's Paul, you know, you looking back in the book of Acts, or you can look at the woman caught in adultery that God, you know, Jesus Christ is always going to be leading people back to 
himself. So if we look at the word salvation, that's from the uh, Greek word soteria. It's a 4991 for all you Greek scholars in the house. It means God's rescue, which delivers believers out of destruction and into his safety. I love that. God doesn't just leave us, lead us out of something, but he leads us into something that God's salvation is his rescue, which delivers believers out of destruction and into his safety. And, and that's the place, you know, that's what Paul was preaching about, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God, you know, out of destruction and into his safety. It's the power of God out of the rubble and into the place of salvation and safety. And, you know, sometimes we can be myopic about words. So I want to really read and delve into if that's okay about what salvation really means. But salvation um, in the Greek means salvation from physical illness, soul and body. It also means salvation from danger. It's not that um, it gives us a life free from the perils and dangers of life, but it also, but it gives us security to our soul. No matter what is happening, we will be okay. It's like John 16, 33, where Jesus says in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer. Salvation is here. You're going to be okay. He said, I've overcome the world. Uh, another, you know, another meaning of salvation. It's, it's uh, salvation from life's infection. Uh, freedom from a crooked and perverse generation. It's salvation from lostness. It's salvation from sin. And, and I think that's usually where we get myopic. We just think it's about that, you know, saving men and women from being in bondage. Um, and finally here, it's salvation from the wrath of God. And this was the place that Paul was speaking from because he was so aware, and, I, and I've said this already, but I'm saying it again. He was so aware of what God did for him. He was so aware that how could this God be not true? How could this God not be real with everything that he did from, you know, here I am a persecutor of Christians. I'm putting people in jail. I'm doing all these horrible things to them. And now I'm actually speaking on their behalf and um, I'm pointing them to the one that I was against and that's Jesus Christ. And I, I think that we have to be mindful of before we go to bed at night and when we wake up in the morning, to think about what God has done for us. Like church, what has he really done? What has he really saved us from? What has the Lord really brought us through? So we're not just living from day to day subconsciously, you know, not aware of who God is, not fully aware of the things that he's done. But like even Mary said back in Luke, you know, the song of Mary, my soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Um, because, you know, here the thing is, like, it's not just what Paul was saying and what he was saying was good and it was true and it was right. You know, I'm not ashamed of the power or of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation, but it was the tone. You know, when we're looking at texts in the Bible, we need to also be aware of the tone, this passionate tone that just had so much conviction. And for us to just wake up in the morning and give time to think about the Lord, think about what he's done as we're meditating on the word and go to bed and thank him for everything that he is and thank him for what he's done to, so that we're really aware of what we allow to happen in us is going to be revealed and manifested through us each and every day. We've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. So we're going to read on more into the text. 
But it goes on here to say, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, at its, as it's written, pardon me, the just shall live by faith. So the Jews, we need to know, and you need to, need to know that the Jews were people of the covenant. That's why they were spoken of first. So Paul wanted to be honoring to that. And for us to be aware too, that Jesus didn't just come to make people good. Jesus came to bring people life. That that God is always going to be looking for our faith. We know in Hebrews 11 that it's faith that pleases God. You know, when, when Jesus was speaking in parables in the Gospels, you know, he was, he was speaking in parables because he was always looking for people of faith. He was always looking for people um, who were asking for the questions. We know also in the Bible it says, for grace uh, we're saved through, or for by, for by grace are we saved through, for by faith, pardon me, we are saved through grace, but not of ourselves. It's this gift of God. So for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So what is God's righteousness? Um, You know, a lot of people will say right standing with God. That's what I grew up with. But, you know, I was thinking about how Jesus Christ really is God's righteousness revealed. Jesus Christ is God's righteousness revealed. The fullness of all that Jesus Christ is is revealed through our everyday trust in him, our faith in him and his word. And not our trust and faith in him when things are easy. It's our trust and faith in him when things are hard, when things are when things are tough. That's where the righteousness of God is really revealed because it takes an act of our faith to trust him. It takes an act in our faith to hope in him. It takes an act of faith for us to believe in it. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, you know, and, and, the, and the faith that we live every single day. And, and I don't mean faith noun. Yes, we have our faith, but our faith verb, that act of faith that we live every single day is going to be the faith, you know, that's revealed through us every single day. That's going to be the hope. That's going to be the life. That's going to be the reality, you know, that's lived through us every single day. I'm thinking about Peter and John at the gate. Beautiful. And I love this story. I know I bring it up a lot, but you know, here the Holy Spirit had just come on the scene. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they're walking up to the gate. Beautiful. And and who is there? The lame beggar. And what did they say? Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. They were giving him Jesus. They were giving him this Jesus that they trusted in, that they hoped in, that they knew. And not even when times were easy, but when times were, were hard, this Jesus that was gone that they that they knew. So personably now, you know, this was this Jesus that they wanted to give away. And because of it, the righteousness of God was be able to, re, you know, be revealed in that moment. And a miraculous thing happened. So Jesus is God's righteousness revealed. The fullness of all that he is, is revealed through our trust in him and our faith in him and his word. So to give you a rundown of the word faith, because again, I like to go over these things because I think we can get myopic or we think that we know what it means. And we do in part, we do know what it means, but this is a biblical study. So it's always good to go deep, but faith at its simplest form means loyalty and steadfastness. Faith also means belief. Sometimes it means the Christian uh, religion. Uh, faith is an indestructible hope that we walk by faith and not by sight in. Um, most of the time, Paul is using the word faith to mean total acceptance and absolute trust. Um, you could say it like this. Faith is betting your life that there is a God and being utterly sure 
that what Jesus said was true. I love that. Faith is betting your life that there is a God and being utterly sure that what Jesus said was true. One person said it like this. They said, I believe in God. And if I woke up in hell, I would still believe in him. I love that. I believe in God. And if I woke up in hell, I would still believe in him. Faith is total surrender. So a point I want to make in here about how it's revealed through faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, is we have to remember and know that faith ain't pretty. I think sometimes we think that things are just going to go glamorous and things are going to be easy and things shouldn't be hard or we get tired of things being hard or we're climbing up this mountain, you know, wishing that there wasn't going to be another mountain, but there's another mountain so we can feel discouraged and we can be defeated. But we've been called to walk this life of faith by faith with trust um, in Jesus Christ. So we got to remember that faith ain't pretty. And we have been called to the kingdom to live by faith for such a time as this. God has called you in this hour to his kingdom to live by faith, to live by faith that isn't always pretty for such a time as this. Church, our job is to speak the good news of Jesus Christ because the power and salvation belongs to the Lord. So it says the just shall live by faith. Uh, I want you guys to hear this because I I know that you're going to think, you know, just realize that this word is just so good and it's so powerful. So let's look at the word just. It's from the word uh, dikaios, which is 1342 in the Greek. When God justifies us, he doesn't simply just make um, a sinner a good man or a woman. Okay, it's not about being good. He treats the sinner as if they had never been a sinner at all. Come on, it's so good. Instead of treating mankind as criminals to be obliterated, he treats us as children to be loved. God recognizes us not to be enemies, but as friends, not as lawbreakers to be punished, but as men and women to be loved, as children to be loved. This is the very essence of of the gospel of Jesus Christ church. He declares us not guilty. I'm going to say that again. He declares you not to be guilty. He declares our family not guilty. To be justified is to enter into a new relationship with God, a relationship of love and confidence and friendship. It's a relationship of love and confidence and friendship, not one of distance and fear with Jesus Christ in our lives and living through our lives, fear is gone and love has come. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God, Jesus Christ, is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You, the not guilty one, are called to live this life of faith that is not always pretty, but to live a life where your trust and your hope and your confidence and your belief, even when it's hard, is in Jesus Christ so that the power of God is revealed in your life to the world around you. Church, the good news in you will be the good news through you. I want to say that again. The good news in you will be the good news through you. Jesus in you will be Jesus through you. And there's so much power in the name of Jesus, like the song says, to break every chain. 
And, you know, you can really see through the words of Paul here. And just even as you read more of the words of Paul, but the tone to go back to talking about the tone is, you know, back in Luke where it says, you know, to those who have been forgiven much will love much. Aren't you just so aware of that? Because you've been forgiven much that we will love much. And we just have to speak and live this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, people are hurting so much right now. People are dealing with so much right now. You're probably hurting so much right now and dealing with so much. People need hope. People need life. People need light. People need joy and peace. They need our heart, our time, and our attention. People need to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to give you some stats on evangelism. And uh, this was with Barna. I looked this up uh, last week online and uh, it it only had stats for millennials and gen z so if you don't fall into that gen z category of 17 to 22 or millennial of 22 to roughly 38 i please do not feel left out because i'm being left out of that as well this was just the stats that they had so um, it's all i could bring to the table for today but um, stats on evangelism with millennials so the writer here springer uh, springer his name his last name springer brings up data from a study called Reviving Evangelism Once More, noting the sobering finding that nearly half of Christian millennial respondents in 2019, so 47% believed, that sharing their faith with a non-Christian was wrong. However, 94% of these same millennials also said that the best thing that could ever happen as a result of spiritual conversation would be to see that non-believer to come to know Jesus Christ. Incredible, hey? It seems like a bit of a dichotomy. Through these findings, um, or though these findings seem to contradict one another, Springer offers some insight. Millennials are passionate about Jesus and believe that knowing him is important, but there's something about the methodology and how we've taught them how to share, um, says Springer. Millennial Christians have more non-Christian friends than any other prior generation, they're also more plugged into the reality of the world. So th- that was the, the study on millennials. The study on Gen Z said this in the same study. Um, so they say Gen Z reports being even more personally equipped to sharing their faith than even millennials were. They said that the next generation is saying, I know how to do it. I know what you're asking me to say. I just don't want to share it. I don't want to do it your way. I want someone to know Jesus but I can't confront them or proclaim the way that you've trained me. I won't do it that way. I need to find another way. You know, methodology is great. And uh, it can be helpful tools and effective in many instances. But I think when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we have to remember um, some key things. Like we read in the story of I decided to follow Jesus. Um, If you remember when I was reading, I said, remember this when it said moved by the Holy Spirit. And I have that highlighted today, moved by the Holy Spirit. So when that man, you know, what, what was going to be his, what was going to be his comment back, you know, when he's lost everything, when he was about to lose his own life, you know, what was he going to say? You know, what could he say? And before he said anything, it said he was moved by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't like, um, can you just hold on for a minute? I need to pull up my book from Alpha last Wednesday, you know, and I'm not saying those books and those teachings are wrong. But we have to remember that God is raising up sons and daughters that are led by the spirit of God, not by might, not by power, but by spirit. And that we too are spirit and we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. So when I see a generation, you know, 
uh, looking for a way to do it, not wanting to embrace maybe the way that it was done because God is doing a new thing. We have to remember church that we are spirit you know, young person, you have to remember that you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. And the way to do it is by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Lord will give you the words in those moments to share the gospel, you know, whether it's to live the gospel that day or whether it's to preach the gospel that day, you know, in all of it, that we we can do it God's way. We can do it God's way. And that is with the help of the Holy Spirit spirit. And I have just a note here that just says love is always going to be asking the question, what is this moment for? And I really believe that God is calling his church more into deeper realms of his love, that we are not going to be so um, black and white, perhaps about the way that we approach things, that we approach um, living the or, or preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we are going to be living and moving um, con breathing, you know, conduits of the love of Jesus Christ that we are just, you know, not even perhaps consciously always asking the question, what is this moment for? But we're going to just be living in that realm of love so deeply that we are always going to be living the question of what is this moment for knowing what the right thing is at the right time, wherever God has situated us, you know, and living this life of, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul ministered from this place of passionate love for the people of Rome, uh, for the love that God had for him and for the for what God did for him and out of his love for people because he had been forgiven much. He loved much. Church, I think we need to be aware that time is short. Time is short and heaven is so close. We need to be so aware that we are significant, that we are a significant component in the in the kingdom of God. And for us to know that there's power in our testimony. Church, there is so much power in your testimony. That's why I had us just pause for a moment and just think about what Jesus Christ had done. I can remember being a young person and being on the mission field in Guatemala. And we all had to share a testimony. If you guys have ever been, you know, maybe to YWAM or on a mission trip, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, oh, man, I got to share my testimony. I remember just being young and just not feeling like I, I had much of a testimony. Well, now I realize I had quite the testimony to share at a young age. But there is power in your testimony. And each one of our testimonies and our stories are so different for us to realize that, you know, even if we've experienced much pain in our life, that there's power in your story. There's power in saying, you know what, if Jesus did this for me, he can do this for you, that people need not just to hear our highlight. You know, I think we get good at sharing our highlights, but they need to hear our real life stories. You know, the in the trenches story, you know, but how we had to trust in God, how we had to hope in God when we wanted to give up, when we wanted to quit, when it hurt like hell. You know, people need to hear these stories that there's power in your story. Church, this is not a time for caution. I can't say that strongly enough. This is not a time for caution. It's a time for us to surrender, to rise up and be bold and courageous in declaring what God has said and what he's done. And I want to end with this. And it was a scripture that I had sent a friend a few weeks ago uh, before he was going to be recording a project with his church down in Colorado. Uh, but I felt it so strongly for him. But the longer I think about it, I, I feel like it's so strongly for all of us in this hour. And it's Isaiah 58.1. It says, spare not, cry aloud. Raise up your voice like a trumpet. 
And I believe that's a word for you today. Son and daughter, spare not, cry aloud. Raise up your voice like a trumpet. This is not a time, church, for caution. It's the time for you, for all of us, to rise up and be bold and courageously sharing and declaring what God has said and what he's done. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So we love you, church. We believe in you. And uh, we know that you've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. I pray that God's mighty grace be upon you and you be found in the peace of God and that we just be found this season face down, crying out for his kingdom come and for his will to be done. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.